Live from WNUR News, I'm Cara Totley. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on the WNUR 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's February 20th, 2023. Tonight on WNUR News, Northwestern becoming a basketball school, lack of school, school support affecting student turnout, Jim Bro culture, and the B-List, the weekly pop culture roundup. Those stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in. On Sunday, Northwestern beat the Iowa Hawkeyes in basketball, resulting in Wildcats finally becoming a ranked team. If you haven't been able to get tickets to the games, don't worry. Allison Rock has more. Something strange is afoot in Evanston, Illinois. Something like winning. For the first time in a long time, and against all odds, Northwestern men's basketball is having a standout season. Chicago's Big Ten team finished last season with 15 wins, 16 losses, and the departure of Pete Nance and Ryan Young. This year, the Cats currently have 19 wins, 7 losses, and at the time of press are on a four-game winning streak. They're second in the Big Ten. And they've done it with no real new blood. They're just finally coming into their own. People outside of Northwestern are paying attention, too. From the beginning of the season on, it's been so much fun to see the grit and toughness, the tough defensive efforts, overcoming off-shooting nights by Northwestern, and seeing rewards come to guys like Boo Booey and Chase Audige, who've been there for a few years, of course, uh, has been wonderful. And I don't know any alum, at least in my circle, who hasn't really, really enjoyed it. That's Willie Weinbaum. He's a producer and digital journalist for ESPN and a former Wildcat. He does investigative and feature reporting, but he's also been posting about Northwestern's season on the ESPN message boards. I think colleagues, not just the NU alums who are colleagues, and there are many Wildcats among the ESPN staff ranks, I just want you to know, so, you know, we always say go cats and boy, how about those cats? But I think other people are taking notice. Northwestern has kind of been a sleeper throughout this men's basketball season in a lot of ways. Um, I, actually, on our conference calls yesterday, just yesterday, we were discussing how everybody was pretty shocked that they have were not ranked this week because uh, from our perspective, they've been knocking at that door for a significant proportion of the season. That's Dee Lab. She's a content producer and developmental editor for The Gist, a woman-led sports media brand. Her work is with The Gist's college sports newsletter. I hate to say it, but like the team was not good for a very long time. I find it really exciting to see, particularly as a Big Ten alum, to see a Big Ten um, program that has historically not been great really finding their their legs on, an, on, a, on a truly on a national scale. Lab is right. Northwestern has come a long way from losing streaks in the not-so-distant past. And with a disappointing 111 football record still fresh in everyone's minds, it's cathartic to see a Northwestern sports team actually doing well. At the end of last quarter, when I was sort of st- when I started reporting for the team, there wasn't sort of as much like anticipation and as much sort of buildup. Um, about the team, like not as many students were really excited about the men's basketball team. Um, we weren't really getting that many like large crowds. And now over the past couple of weeks, that's kind of sort of been sort of the talk 
around campus. That's Ayushia Agarwal. He's a junior econ major data science minor, and he spent this season covering men's basketball for the Daily Northwestern, both at home and away. I was at Wisconsin, and they have like, I think, 17,000 um, in terms of their capacity, and the student section was just crazy large. So it was like seeing that sort of energy now being replicated at Northwestern, even if it's like a smaller stadium, it's just really cool to see, like, kind of firsthand, just comparing the two. Agarwal seems to be onto something. Northwestern is feeling more like an actual contender in the Big Ten. With last Sunday's matchup against Purdue, Northwestern toppled a number one ranked team for the first time in the program's history. Wednesday's win against Indiana marked the first time the Cats have had four wins versus ranked teams, plus sweeps of Indiana and Wisconsin in the same season since 1938. All this record-breaking brings to mind another nugget of trivia. Northwestern has only qualified for the NCAA tournament once in its history. Which raises the question, could this be the year? Agarwal thinks maybe. I think 20 is like the key number. If you have 20 wins by the end of the season, you'll make March Madness. And so basically, it's a question of um, can you get like wins on the road? So they got a win on the road in Wisconsin. They got a win on a road in Ohio State. Lab is considering it too. March is going to be wild. And speaking of March, Northwestern is going has a real shot to go deeper than they ever have before. Of course, it's not a sure shot. Northwestern definitely has its strengths and weaknesses. Lab and Weinbaum both pointed out that their defense tends to be more reliable than their offense. I think when it comes to offense, especially for basketball, it comes down, a lot of things come down to confidence across your team. The fact that they're playing from a non-winning legacy. So when you're forging something new, that can be a little bit intimidating, which is why I think perhaps we're seeing a a much more defensive-minded team. I will say that what Northwestern's biggest weakness is, having consistent, coordinated, balanced offense. So when one or two guys are clicking on offense, it's usually just the one or two guys. Other guys aren't scoring. But then again, no one thought they'd make it this far either. For WNUR News, I'm Allison Rapp. While the student section at Northwestern's men's basketball games is breaking records, student attendance at Northwestern's women's basketball game is dwindling, with a lack of transportation partly to blame. Izzy Pereira has the story. It's a cold and snowy Wednesday night as the Northwestern women's basketball team prepares to take on Chicago State. The band booms and the cheerleaders smile and wave toward the stands as the players warm up. A perfectly executed show of school spirit. The only problem is, the stands are almost completely empty. Where are the students? The student attendance for Northwestern's men's basketball games recently hit an all-time high, reaching 1,511 students at the game against Rutgers on January 11th, according to a post made by the official Northwestern men's basketball Twitter account. However, women's basketball games are struggling to see even close to the same support from our student section. I was able to see this firsthand when I attended their home game this past Wednesday, January 25th, where I found that I was one of four students in the student section. I talked to two other attendees, Medill sophomore Maggie Rose Barron and Weinberg sophomore Tess Wagner, to get more insight on why this may be. How often do you attend Northwestern women's basketball games? I would say pretty often, whenever I can get to them, this year. 
I've been to, I would say maybe four or five. I'd say more often than most people. <laughs> um, yeah, I've probably been to three or four this year so far. So what's the problem? For one, Northwestern tends to provide transportation for women's basketball games much less frequently than they do for the men's games. The Northwestern Student Game Day Transportation and Parking page lists scheduled shuttles for seven men's home games this season, not including the shuttles scheduled later for games like Rutgers versus Northwestern. On the other hand, only four women's home games have scheduled shuttles so far. This poses a number of obstacles for those who want to show support for our women's team consistently. I took the inner campus today and I'm taking a safe ride home. I think women's games are not as accessible as men's games. Um, there are never buses and I'd like to get to more games, but I don't because there are no buses. <laughs> I feel like half the time I've walked um, because there haven't been any buses, especially there was a game Sunday and there was no 201 running. Um, so yeah, either I take the 201 bus or I walk. It's definitely so much worse for women's games. Um, you, there's not like an easy way to get there. Like you have to figure it out yourself. And you know, it's easier for me because I live further north, so it's only like a 20 minute walk. But if I were living on South Campus, um, and it would take like 40, 45 minutes to get there, there's no way that I would be making it all the way up to up there to those games. The transportation options available are quite discouraging. The CTA 201 bus rarely runs past 8.30 p.m. during the week and only on Saturdays during the weekend. The intercampus shuttle appears at each stop once every hour, and the walk from the Welsh Shrine Arena to the northmost point of campus totals to about 25 minutes. This, in combination with Evanston's notoriously brutal winter weather and students' typical busy schedules, makes the idea of attending a women's basketball game without shuttles less than appealing for even the most dedicated of fans. It takes more time and effort that you have to put into it, which shouldn't be the case because it's just going to a sports game. It definitely demotivates me going to the games, especially when it's cold out. Although the men's team boasts a better record and more successes compared to our women's team this season, the lack of buses for women's games seems to be a trend that extends beyond just this year. I had the same problem last year. There were nights where I'd go out and then decide not to walk the 20 minutes in the snow and the cold. I would honestly guess it's been going on for a while, um, which seems even worse considering last year and, you know, years prior to that, uh, the women's team was the team that was good, not the men's team. Both Barron and Wagner agree that scheduling shuttles for more women's games would likely increase the attendance and are hopeful that this will change in the future. There's definitely a difference, I would say, in the games. You know, there was a game uh, yesterday and uh, there was hardly any students there because um, there was no shuttle running for that game. Um, and I think they've had some games in the past where there have been shuttles, but I definitely know that those games are more attended. So yeah, it definitely makes a difference. I think it should be more equitable between the men and women's games. For WNUR News, this is Izzy Pereja. Phonathon is happening now. It's the one time a year we ask for money. 
our annual fundraiser helps support station maintenance and upkeep, student events, and most importantly, keeps us ad-free. You can donate now at wnur.org donate. That's wnur.org donate. Donations close February 27th. Gym culture has been re- rapidly expanding amongst college students in the past few years in a large part because of social media. But researching fitness on social media can have some drawbacks. Ellie Stevens has the story. With the arrival of 2023, many people resolved to be more dedicated to fitness and nutrition. When getting into fitness, college students often turn to social media as a source. Northwestern sophomore Alexia Kadota browner said when she first started working out at 12 years old, she got her information from Instagram. I was always just interested in fitness, so I was following a lot of fitness. I don't want to use the word influencers, but like personal trainers that like post their workouts on Instagram or like fitness related like information accounts. However, looking back, she noticed getting information from apps like Instagram could be harmful. But it also gives anyone the platform to be a content creator, which sometimes is good because you want like to be exposed to as many people as you can. But sometimes it's misleading because as a like consumer of that information, you might feel inclined to take advice from someone who's not actually certified. Kadota Browner says she's tried to curate her following to avoid incorrect and harmful information. I only followed people who had certifications, whether that was a personal training certification or even for like nutritional advice, I was following registered dietitians. Registered dietitian Maddie Jankowski of Confluence Counseling agrees and says that you even have to be careful of accounts claiming to be professionals on these apps. Dietitians, uh, for example, we have um, a lot of different education background, right? So we have four years at a university, we have a year-long internship, soon we'll need a master's degree, where those people, they might be nutritionists, for example. Um, That can kind of just be like a self-proclaimed title. But the general population doesn't know that, right? So they hear nutritionists, think, oh, okay, they're like a nutrition expert. Great. Jankowski says this information coupled with images on social media can be very harmful. I think the biggest thing to know is if people are striving for something very specific with aesthetic goals and things like that, honestly, like might not be attainable. Um, And if that is something that is attainable, it might not be good for your body um, and uh, good for your mental health. Brown University sophomore Oliver Worth agrees that social media has pushed unrealistic standards online. Definitely people look at guys that spend three, four hours a day in the gym and are on some sort of drug and they get this idea that they want to look like that. And uh, then they look at themselves and realize, like, number one, it's going to take you, like, many, many years to get to that. Ninety percent of people probably won't get to that because they don't have the genetics or they're not taking uh, drugs. Worth says you never know what's going on behind the scenes of a social media post. Like, just people, there's a lot of people taking, like, steroids and et cetera and showing their body off online. And it's like, appeal to that and sort of get this unrealistic opinion about bodies and also a lot of it's like photoshops a lot of it these unrealistic standards are then often paired with harmful information about nutrition best friends unc charlotte sophomore julian mcauliffe and nc state sophomore rohan menon joined the gym together following the pandemic and noticed a trend online of tracking macros or protein 
Yeah, I, I used to track all my calories and macros. Um, Yeah, some people definitely can get too intense with it. I never did because I kind of stopped doing it because I didn't find it to be too um like beneficial. Because once I track it like two times, I know I'm eating the same thing every day. So I don't really have to keep tracking it. But then some people like I get addicted to it. They have to track every single, like, everything they put in their body. And that that's not very good. Yeah, exactly. There's like a lot of people get like certain like eating disorders from traffic tracking all their calories and it can be really unhealthy if you don't have like a good grip on what you're doing. They also noted that the large amount of information online about nutrition can be confusing. Yeah, de- definitely definitely don't overcomplicate it. There's like a lot of information out there and stick to like the basics when you first get into it. Registered dietitian Megan Anderson agrees and says misinformation around these nutritional practices can cause harm. Like from a nutritional perspective, counting what you're eating isn't automatically going to be harmful, um, but it's still a, a fixation on like counting things and hitting certain minimums or maximums. Um, it's more about the mental side of it and the emotional side of it and the amount of stress it can cause people. Anderson's main gym nutritional advice is a registered dietitian. So making sure you're eating before you're working out, especially if you're working out in the morning, even if you're gonna eat breakfast afterwards, make sure you have something before you work out. Ultimately, Anderson says it's important to be mindful of the content you consume on these apps. I, I think definitely social media can impact disordered eating i do think it can help kind of depending on who you're following i've seen you know other dietitians that maybe promote more positive messages around eating so if you are a college student looking to get into fitness be careful with who you follow on social media check for dietitian certifications and instagram bios and remember that pictures can be photoshopped and next time you find yourself mindlessly scrolling stop and think about what exactly it is you are consuming from wnur news i'm ellie stevens Welcome back to WNUR News. It's 6.20 p.m. Central Time. This past week saw a variety of important pop culture events, such as New York Fashion Week, the BAFTA Awards, and the NBA All-Star Game. Paul O'Connor has the B-List this week. Welcome to the B-List, your weekly roundup of celebrity mess and pop culture. This week, New York Fashion Week, the BAFTA Awards, Ant-Man, the NBA All-Star Game, and the legacy of Fergie. New York Fashion Week wrapped up this past Wednesday. The event was jam-packed with stars showing up for various international fashion brands. These included Lindsay Lohan, Roger Federer, Julia Fox, and even the cast of White Lotus. Notably, Ice Spice and Lil Nas X were shown sitting next to each other for coach. Lil Nas X wore jeans and a red puffy sweater, while Ice Spice sported a varsity dress. This comes as Ice Spice is expected to make her debut on the Billboard Hot 100 chart for her collaboration with Pink Panthers, called Boys a Liar Part 2. The BAFTA Awards, or the British Academy Film Awards, happened last night in London. They come ahead of the Oscars, scheduled for March 12th. British royalty was present at the event, including Prince William and Kate Middleton. They were shown exchanging some affection on the red carpet right before the event. The biggest winner of the night was All Quiet on the Western Front, a German-language film. It walked away with seven awards, including Best Film and Best Director. Austin Butler also won Best Lead Actor for Elvis, notably beating out Paul Mescal for After Sun. Everything Everywhere All at Once was considered to have been snubbed, only taking one award for Best Editing. There's no direct correlation between who wins at the BAFTAs versus the Oscars, but they can be important to follow. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, came out this past Friday. This is the third installment in the Ant-Man franchise, which started back in 2015. 
with a cast including Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, and even Michelle Pfeiffer and Bill Murray, Quantumania has been praised for expanding the scope of the Marvel Universe. It's also grossed about $120 million in its first four days. And finally, in sports news, the NBA All-Star Game happened last night in Salt Lake City. Giannis Adetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks and LeBron James were the team captains. Ultimately, Team Giannis won 184 points to 175. Denver Nuggets coach Michael Malone criticized the effort displayed during the All-Star Game, according to CBS News, calling it the worst basketball game ever played. But it wasn't all bad. American singer-songwriter Jewel did a folksy rendition of the Star-Spangled Banner for the All-Star Game. This marks the five-year anniversary of Fergie's legendary jazz-inspired interpretation back in 2018. That's all for the B-List this week. Check in next Monday to hear about what happens this week in pop culture. For WNUR News, I'm Paul O'Connor. A look at the weather. It will stay sunny tomorrow before cooling down Wednesday in time for some snow. Temperatures will rise again on Thursday, but expect clouds through the weekend. Taking a look at the headlines, Evanston residents expressed doubts with North with NU's Ryan Field renovation at a town hall meeting last Saturday. The $800 million renovation was announced earlier this school year and caused many Evanston residents to feel a lack of trust with the university as the renovation does not reflect much of the community's interests. Bookends and Beginnings reopened at its new location on Orienton Avenue last Saturday morning. The beloved Evanston staple now features a custom mural by Evanston artists Sam and George Booker. President Joe Biden made a surprise visit to Ukraine today. The timing is seen as a deliberate rebuke of Russian President Vladimir Putin, with both men slated to make public addresses tomorrow. Friday marks one year since the Russian invasion of Ukraine began. Michigan State University faculty and students return to campus as the university resumes normal activity. MSU reopens after gunmen killed three and injured five students a week prior. Many teachers allowed for students to attend class virtually, while some students decided to skip class to protest at the state capitol for gun control legislation. And remember, Phonathon is happening now. It's the one time a year we ask for money. Our annual fundraiser helps support station maintenance and upkeep, student events, and most importantly, keeps us ad-free. You can donate now at wnur.org slash donate. That's wnur.org slash donate. Donations close February 27th. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news, updates, and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, WNUR.news. That's WNUR.news. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whether you li- or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our producer today is Sarah Cadora, and our reporters are Allison Raup, Izzy Pereira, Ellie Stevens, and Paul O'Connor. From all of us here at WNUR News, thanks for listening. I'm Cara Totley. Catch our next bo- newscast on Wednesday, February 22nd at 6 p.m. Now back to scheduled programming.